In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. All right, welcome back to Comic Exposure. Yes, Comic Exposure round two, dude. I was going to say episode two. Episode two. two. Issue well, two? Issue two? I don't know. I don't know. I think episode two works. Episode two works. Yeah. So, Go first things first, uh, happy happy, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. How was your Christmas? It was good. It was, yeah. I mean, it was it was pretty slow. I, I went down and visited my folks and and all that stuff, but um, I feel that... Um, Christmas isn't for me anymore. Like it's not meant for me anymore. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's it's for kids. Yeah. You know? Well, I, once you once you once you get some kids, then Christmas yeah. is Christmas Talk will be for out. you again. You have and any then, kids I can borrow for? If like, you want to borrow one for Christmas, that would work. You can you can borrow one of mine for Christmas. I used to watch. Um, yeah, I have uh, these family home movies, mm-hmm. which are I can't watch. They're so embarrassingly. And they're bad. all in Japanese for when you look at the <laughs> They're all dubbed. <laughs> uh, but one of them, I remember, I think I tried watching it when I was about 13 or 14, and it was me on Christmas just being the most, like, selfish, <laughs> just, like, present mom. Like, I want to open this one. And then someone would be opening a gift and be like, I want to open it. And I'm like, good that's, lord, that's I was a jerk. That's what, we, uh, Renner had his birthday party in the beginning of December, my um, son Renner. And um, it was like, Lord of the Flies when we opened gifts. Like, every kid was, like, just on top of everybody, like, trying to see what was in the gift or wanted to open the gift with him. It was crazy. Dude. And the birthday boys, like, it's mine. Yeah. It's mine. It's, it's mine. mine. Yeah. All right, so, episode number two. Episode number two. Comic Exposure. Oh, man. So this is our second episode, and as we explained last week, we'll just do a quick recap. Comic Exposure is a, uh, a, a, it's like a book club for comic book trades. Uh, so there's probably gonna be a lot of like volume ones of of things, but uh, we're looking for good runs or runs we've heard about or runs that make a list. We'll we'll take them, we'll read them, we'll talk about them. But the idea is to get people on here on this podcast that have not that are maybe not as familiar with the comic book uh, industry or the comic book medium and get them to read one with us and then all discuss it. Um, so in in honor of that, we started we decided to do our inaugural episodes with last week Josh sharing a trade that he really liked uh, with me, uh, and this episode I am sharing a trade that I really liked. And let me preface it with this before <laughs> we talk about this: um, the trade is uh, Preacher. Uh, it is Preacher Book One, which um, it's recently been put into Book One. Before it was nine smaller trades. Uh, and I think the first trade was called Gone to Texas, and the second trade was called Till the End of the World, and this book one now... Is those first two trades, Yeah, because right? I think yeah. those first nine are beginning to sell out. I think they've kind of, they printed a bunch of them, and they've kind of now, yeah. so they're reprinting them in, in bigger chunks. Yeah, so this is like 12 issues, mm-hmm. essentially, right? So it's like 12 issues, and it, and it seems like those first 12 issues are a solid story. I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you that. It seems yeah. like a pretty solid story. So Garth Ennis... Uh, Preacher, mm. Volume 1. Can I tell you, I don't know what you were thinking when you picked yours, mm-hmm. but I would like to think that I'm the kind of person who's like, oh, let me expose Josh to a comic book trade. What would Josh like to read? 
I didn't do that at all. <laughs> I, I, I didn't take in any. I didn't take into anything that was Josh. I'm like, oh, Josh likes this, or I've heard him talk about this, or he seems like he'd like this. I went totally selfish. I said, okay, we have an opportunity to talk about something that I really like. Now, having said that, the caveat is, I understand that this is not everyone's bag. So I'm not looking for you to come in here and be like, yeah, it was great. Um, like, like I'm, I'm not going to come across this table. <laughs> you might, you might come across it. Well, um, yeah, we're we're gonna we're definitely. I'm interested to know about why. And when? When is my key thing? That's really what okay. I know is when you found this trade. Okay, I'll talk to you about my experience with the trade, and then we'll talk about the authors, and then we'll get into what you thought of the story. Okay, here. okay, let's do Okay, it. so um, this story ran from 1995 to about 2000, I think the last episode. Um, last episode, like, last, last episode. Now I'm like episode, everything. <laughs> last issue ran. And I jumped on board, I don't know what year it was, but I was probably about 15 or 16. Okay. So. Uh, I just, let, first... me, let, me, let me say, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect <laughs> sense. That makes perfect sense to me. All right, so... Okay, yeah. So I'm, I'm 15 or 16. Um, other things that are popular. Eminem. ICP. <laughs> oh, no! Not ICP. I'm from, Mich- I'm from Michigan, so, like, ICP is a... I love Fago, dude. I, love, I don't like ICP. Yeah, but, but I, I love I, no, I'm like No one likes AC- ICP, but I feel like when we talk about the content of this book... Yes, yeah. And... I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like the, the 90s, this is a very explicit book. Mm-hmm. And I and I feel, of course, when you're 15 year, years old, you're like, this is like pornography, basically. Oh, right? no, it's, it's totally, I can totally see 15, 16 year old. I had, ne- I'm going to be honest with you, I had never even heard of this mm-hmm. until you had mentioned it to me. Uh, it would have been months and months ago. Oh, I mentioned Bef- it to everyone. But, but before, think, way yeah. before we talked about this, I think uh, you have another podcast. You're on another podcast. Mm-hmm. And I was on that for an, ep- uh, for an episode of it. HodgePodgeRadio.com. <laughs> and we didn't even say that uh, ComicExposure.com. Oh, yeah. And uh, Twitter. On Twitter, find us on ComicExposure.com. Twitter, we'll hit this again at the end of the episode. <laughs> but um, you had mentioned it then, because you had talked about how it was one of your favorites. So mm-hmm. when you told me that this was, this was the one we were yeah. going to read, I'm like, well, that makes sense, because you told me it was one of his favorites. Yeah. So, so let's... So yeah, I, w- I would... But I couldn't, because I lived overseas, so I would... I didn't have... You know, in this, I'm 15 years old, I have a lot of money to spend, and trades are about... Nine, I think they're about 9 or 12 bucks. Mm-hmm. So I'd go in the summertime... And I remember just got a trade to read on the plane back to Japan where I was living. So I got the first volume, the first uh, Six issue. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I read it on the plane. And I was like, oh, this is good. I will wait another year to get the next <laughs> trade. And so I must have read those first issues just over and over yeah. again. Like, I, it's some people can quote movies. Like, yeah. if you were reading, I could probably just, like, read along with your mouth. Like, yeah. Do you, do you think... Okay, so do you think... Your real connection to this is because you were overseas. I'm not saying you. Can, no, no, no. Yeah. I'm not going to say that this can't be someone's favorite because I. There are some really redeeming things about yeah. it. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. going to tell you what I, that that little thing right there tells you what I think about it. Yeah. Um, but do you think that your real connection to it comes from the fact that this was your American thing? Like you grabbed it in the summertime while you were in America. Well, I mean, this is. Um... Because surprising enough, Garth Ennis is from. Ireland. Northern Ireland. Yeah. And this is an incredibly, this is like super American to me. This screams yeah. 90s America. Yeah. This, this book does so much. Mm-hmm. 
Let's let's talk about Garth Ennis and we'll get okay. into it. Let's talk about the then I'll, and then we'll kind of pick it apart story and then we'll jump in like okay. I like this, I didn't like this. All right, so uh, Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon. Um, Garth Ennis uh, wrote uh, both. They're both uh, credited as coming up with the story. Yeah, but I think it's pretty much Garth Ennis. Garth Ennis has won uh, a bunch of Eisners. Uh, I think he won three Eisners just for Preacher. Um, still, uh, he and the writer, uh, the artist Steve Dillon. This is they're a good combination. Well. They um they've worked together a lot. I'll say that they mm-hmm. worked on first on Hellblazer. They did a very famous run on Hellblazer um, that the movie kind of stole a lot from, and um, is kind of like the definitive John Constantine uh, kind of root on there. And then they went and they did a, a long run on Punisher Max, where they kind of brought Punisher back and made him you know that kind of gritty character. Yeah. Again. I mean, yeah. if you read this, you're like, oh, what character? What mainstream character would you do? Yeah. Oh, Punisher. Yeah. You know. Um, so, um, and this is a Vertigo book, and this came out, well, I think it's important to say, we talked about Image last week, it, the, that book, Profit being from Image, I think this is important that it's from Vertigo, because this came out in 1995, during the comic boom, oh, yeah. where everything was variant covers, everything was big muscles, everything was, um, Image and just big guns, yeah. muscles, superheroes, shoot 'em ups, and then this well, quietly came out, and it was a different. Well, Vertigo is I mean, Vertigo is totally DC's. It's DC's adult line of like adult comic books, and so it totally reading it, it totally fits in in Vertigo. In Vertigo, right? It fits in with that idea of Sandman, Sandman uh, um, and even Constantine, Constantine was yeah. Vertigo. Vertigo. So, so it went back and forth between you know being. You know, he's like injusticely dark, but some of that stuff was was very vertigo vertigo driven. So I can totally see where this fits in to that adult comic book kind of yeah. Nineties, yeah. To get this sold in a major market with what's in here, I mean, there were underground comics in the nineties that were just messed up. Yeah, like, but as far as like getting it on racks. If it's not through Vertigo, a comic like this isn't going to get into mainstream in 1995. I don't yeah. think. And you know what? It, it's it's. Um, I was reading. Actually, I listened to uh, an interview that Garth Ennis did at like Emerald City Comic Con, and he's talking about how he had like little to no pushback from Vertigo. Yeah, like none. He said. He said as far as his um, the the person over top of him had no problems with it. He's like, I'm pretty sure that some people above her. Didn't mm-hmm. like it, but it made money, mm-hmm. so it didn't matter. Yeah, there's like, what? Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think they, I think they just want to kind of break even Vertigo stuff. <laughs> it's, I don't think it's they like this is kind of we want steady stream. Yeah, we allow. I think it was in the '90s they had uh, it was a place for creators to go and play and kind of own their characters. I think they yeah. got to own the, these characters, and that was a big issue in the '90s because none of these you can't own these. They weren't going to own Batman. They're not, yeah. no one's going to own Green Lantern, but they could. It was a playground for creators to come and be like, you want to try? You look, it looks like you're getting a little antsy on Batman. Why don't you? You can write what you want on Vertigo. And we'll put it out. Like, yeah. For, the, Garth Ennis was talking about how he did Constantine before this. And he said that this was like the first book where, um, I think he said Alan Moore told him, go do your own thing. So he's yeah. like, it was the best thing to Alan Moore. He's like, Alan Moore told me to go do my own thing. Because, yeah, <laughs> he mumbled it to him. <laughs> And because in uh, Garth Ennis was talking about how he was his advice in this this uh, interview was if you're an if you're an artist or an, a writer go write your own thing because if you're writing Batman 
you're going to be the hundred and whatever writer of Batman. Mm. You're not going to be able to do anything new. Anything you did before... It's tough. It's it's tough. And so he said being able to do Preacher was his way to kind of do... He could do whatever he wanted. He wanted to own his own character, and that was the big push, and that was kind of the big reason why... I guess he was doing stuff in Ireland before um, on some kind of small adult comic book thing, uh, and then so coming and writing in America... Uh, after doing Constantine, this was his big push into mm-hmm. doing his own creator-owned right. stuff. Yeah, a lot of these British guys, they got started in, like, um, uh, the English Two, comic book yeah. scene. Like, uh, was it Odyssey or 2000? 2000, 2000 AD. 2000 AD and Judge Dredd. And, yeah. And then um, the United States pulled a lot of these artists and writers. There was a big mass exodus. I mean, you know, with Alan Moore. Yeah. With the success of Alan Moore, it kind of opened the floodgates, and they were just pulling talent from... Yeah. You could really kind of pinpoint the the turn in comics, the dark 80s comics that yeah. came out of, you know, that changed the vibe with this kind of migration of yeah. English and Irish writers. So, um, Preacher Volume 1 follows the story of Jesse Custer. <laughs> Finally, we're going okay. to get to Jesse Custer, um, who... Uh, God, this is so tough to explain. Um, it follows... And if you jump in any time okay. to like, okay. summarize it, it follows Jesse Custer... Who, uh, when we meet him, he is a a preacher who, I don't know if he's lost his faith, but he's kind of lost his way in life. When we meet him, and we we don't know why, and he, the first time we see him, it's at a bar, and he's getting drunk, Um, and this is the earth story that's happening, and meanwhile, the the first book is a lot of what's happening in... The kingdom of heaven, yeah, and, the, yeah. and what's happening with the angels, and what we find as a reader is that there has been a new creation in heaven, yeah. by the name of Genesis, and so it's a basically a Genesis, essentially an angel and a demon make a baby, and that baby is Genesis. They make a baby, and, they make a baby. <laughs> and it's and it's like locked away, right? Am I under yeah. that? It's, it's because so- if you are if if it's an angel and a demon screw, you gotta lock that baby up. I don't you care do. and how apparently, cute it is. And so so God, um, they lock this thing up. God doesn't know about it, right? They didn't want God to know about it. Is that Am I missing that part or was that part well, in there? Well, uh, as, soon as, as soon as it's born, God finds out about okay. it. Okay, all right. And then God says, what is that? It's different. It's powerful. Like, he freaks God out and God quits. He That's basically right. quits right. heaven. So, yeah, so God quits... There's no God in heaven. There's, there's just no the, one on the throne except for. There's a couple different types. Of, there's, it talks angels. about different types of angels. Yeah, like warrior angels, and they're like the the seraphim. Yeah, and, I, I don't know. I think you actually, might. No, they're actually I, the seraphim are, are actual things. angels in the in the Bible. So that's there. Oh, but yeah, that's on my list of questions. We're gonna get to those. <laughs> they're there. Um, so it's it's they've got them and um, Genesis gets loose. Yeah, and then Genesis it's, it's, and all you have to know it's like the MacGuffin. Basically, yeah. it's just. It's ultimate power that's equal to God. Yeah. And so that's happening in heaven. Jesse is having his problems on earth. We meet another two other characters. These are all separate stories at this point. uh, By the name of Tulip, who is the love interest of Jesse in this. Yeah. And Cassidy. We'll talk about the reveal on that in a second. And Tulip and Cassidy have their own issues. Tulip's running away from what looks like she's involved in some kind of hit. Yeah. Cassidy is kind of like a vagabond, like Irish... Uh, what was it? We'll stop it. Irish vampire. Irish vampire. <laughs> and, and so just, okay, so it sounds like a joke. A preacher, a, gr- a female hitman, an and, Irish a va- and an Irish walk vampire into walk into a bar. <laughs> um, but essentially that's what it's about. And it's about their travels. And so 
Jesse gets uh, Genesis goes inside Jesse, mm-hmm. and essentially Jesse gets the power of the word of God. Whatever he says, people have to do it. Mm-hmm. So if he says jump, uh, you jump. If he yeah. says jump off a bridge, you have to jump off. You a bridge. can't. You have no. Yeah control over yourself at this whatsoever. You just do. He doesn't have any super strength or anything like that. It's just the word of God. Yeah, yeah. So he has the power to say it and it happens. So mm-hmm. he, he can make it happen. Um, so. The first the first arc of the story puts Jesse, puts the power into Jesse, and then reunites Jesse with his ex-girlfriend Tulip and Tulip's new friend Cassidy. Yeah. And basically, um, it is these, these, all these people getting together they all have problems um they're trying to figure out what the hell is going on everything's accepted very yeah the (laughs) vampire is like oh holy crap he's a vampire that's cool come along and he feels bad he's like i was kind of bad as a vampire yeah it's like i oh that's okay yeah come on and and so it's really it's like it has this really wizard of oz vibe to it it is oh it's like a really wizard of oz vibe you've got you've got jesse who is essentially Dorothy in this story? Dorothy with the power, yeah, of okay. God, yeah. Because and, it's, and, it's, and so it's then you've new got world. then you've got you know Tulip who's along for the ride with him and Cassidy who's along for the ride with him. And essentially, what does what is Preacher's goal now? Mm. now what what does he want to do? He wants to. Uh, this, <laughs> <laughs> what does he want okay. to do? He wants to find God and hold him responsible. Um, for walking out on his creation. Yeah, on creation. Yeah. So, so he, he's Jesse Custer is a man with a, co- a code. That's you understand, Josh. He's a man with a code. <laughs> he is a man with a code. He's. I would. I, and he won't stand. He won't stand. For the creator of everything to just walk out. Walk out. He's not going to stand for it. Yeah. And I get that because he's a preacher, and so he feels that he's put his life into this, and then so God's taken off on him. Um. So. That's essentially what this first book is about, and then it's a road trip. It's a road, it's a road trip. trip. Yeah, to find uh, God to find God, and a road hold trip him to find God. but not like, but not like, uh, eat, pray, not like eat, pray, that. love. Yeah. But, but like, that would be great. <laughs> but oh my God, I love to see Jesse Custer like on a three arc journey to like he's in like Naples, right? <laughs> so he, so essentially, it's a road trip to find God, and in this first book. You find out what makes Jesse a preacher, why he becomes a preacher, uh, and then kind of a little bit of his backstory. You don't get a whole lot on Cassidy. You don't get a whole lot on Tulip, but you get a ton. uh, The first book is kind of them all getting together, and then we're going to go find God. And the second book is the the second part, the second arc in this first book is kind of finding out about. Yeah, you guys read it, you know. That's why you listen to this. Okay. All right, hit it. All right, go ahead. Go give me, give me, give me what you don't I'm gonna like. give it go to ahead. you. Go ahead. I'm gonna give it to you. Um, I didn't hate it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be really political. This I is a lot to read without it was, like, it was like really, liking it. A lot. It was really, it was really long. Um, I didn't hate it, but I also, I know why you liked it. Now that you told me that you read it when you were 15, I totally know mm. why you like it. Um, but as finding it as a 32 year old man, uh. It was okay. Mm. I think there was a bunch of stuff in there that's that seems to be in there. For was it was it the plot was it the characterization um, you know I really, I was it the um, the plot is dialogue. fine. I like the idea. I like the idea of the the premise. He gets the power yeah. of God. He wants to find God. I have no qualms with any of that. Mm-hmm. I think part of my issue is is there's a ton of stuff that's in there that you're kind of like. 
what is that in there for? Why is there... Um, I'm going to tell you what I really didn't like. I didn't like the whole story about his grandmother. Oh! I hated that. That's my favorite part of the whole story! It took me forever to get through the second half of Wow. Because that part I was like, okay, yeah, they forced him into it. And and I, I don't... The art... Steve Dillon's art is good, but I think... I didn't think you would like the art. You know, I do like the art, but I think some of it is... He pushes... This is a book that pushes the envelope. Mm. And there's some stuff in it where I'm like, did you have to push the envelope Mm. like that? Mm -hmm. Like, do you have to make his grandmother decrepit and her boobs almost hanging out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that need to be there? All right, let's talk Um, talk about the art then. You know what? The art art I didn't hate. I'm going to tell you why. The art, I can... Having never read this, I can see Steve Dillon's influence in a ton of stuff I read now. Yeah. If you like The Walking Dead... The art in this is super, like, the the artist for The Walking Dead totally must have loved Preacher. Because the gore in this, when they shoot someone's face exactly off, the same. is almost exactly the same. This is, like, quintessential, if you, this must be, like, a master's class for comic book artists, like, current comic book artists. Like, how do I draw a guy's nose getting shot off? Mm-hmm. Let me go to Preacher, and, and let, me, let me find that. How do I show a guy's... Neck like and face getting blown off. Yeah, like there is. Totally... Looking at page twenty five, um, and is your page twenty five? Yeah, it's probably the same. it's the same thing. Yeah. It'll be the same. Um, thing. And it's just like it's weird. That's that's weird. You know, Steve Dillon gets a lot of flack um, for because besides the main characters, and you could say the main characters, the main characters in this are very detailed. There's a lot of detail in the face, a lot of detail, um, you know, wrinkles, and you can see these things, and very emotive. But the other, the ancillary characters. They all look like they're related. They they're, all look they, very similar. It looks, like, it looks like he can draw like twelve people at this point in his career, and he's just putting different. Like the colorist has, has got a hell of a job, <laughs> right? Because he's got, like this guy's got blonde hair, and this guy's got red hair. And I will say, the the longer this series goes on, because it's six. This is a total of sixty six issues. Yeah, yeah. I think it's seventy total because there's, total, four, there's one four, shots. Yeah, four yeah. one shots. one shots, and it's actually uh, written down here seventy five total. Okay, but as you get further in, and they get notoriety and they're all doing other stuff he gets less and less detailed really like about like the last 10 issues you could tell he had other work to do okay um but in this first issue you could tell he's sitting down and this is what he wants to do oh yeah preacher no you know what it's the art didn't bother me i like the art um i you know what because it has kind of a it doesn't have a real realistic vibe to it and that's the stuff i don't like i hate the i hate the i'm not a huge fan of jim lee and Jim Lee's DC art. It drives mm. me absolutely nuts. I hate it. Yeah. Because it's too, it seems too real. Yeah. And so when I look at a comic book, I want it, I like cartoons. Yeah. I'm a 30-year-old man who likes cartoons. Yeah. And I don't mind seeing cartoons on this. See, I'm a little bit the opposite. I like the, um, I like the Jim Lee stuff for the superhero. I like me my Jim Lee Batman. <laughs> See, I don't. I don't like that. Yeah. But so anyway, so the art didn't bother me. Here's the stuff that I thought was... Before we um, move past okay. the art, what do you think about the coloring? I think the coloring is I think the color is very good. It's really, it's really, some of these. It's really emotive. So yeah. you can tell, like, he does some stuff where the colorist goes and does some real, like... Um, so like I'm looking at all these sunset yeah, issues. Yeah, 24 and, and 25, the coloring is really beautiful. It's like this really, you know, it's, it's you know, it's dusk or, like, it's, it's evening. So you can see the color is really good. You can see the difference between it. It's when Tulip... Fertz meets, meets Cassidy, and uh, he she goes to kill somebody. She like has to do a hit on somebody. She's telling her story about it, and so you oh, can kind of see the whole thing. Is it Steve Dillon? Does Steve Dillon? No. Uh, let's see. 
Oh, Matt Hollingsworth and Pamela Rambo do the color on it. Okay. So, um, really, the coloring is really good on it. I really like it. Here's and, what I... And, and one last thing on the art, because yeah. I want to go... I, I've been buying up these issues, uh-huh. the first things, because it's coming out of the TV show. Yeah. And I think it's going to... I think it has potential to be the next Walking Dead. Oh, it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. big. Um, because of the 15-year-old yeah. and all of us. And so I've been buying up all these, because you can get them for, like, the first 10, uh, all under 10 bucks. Yeah. I'd be, like, you know, I'm putting them in, like, frames and stuff like that, cause, but I, I love the, covers, the Glenn Fra- oh. The covers are gorgeous. They, aren't they great? Oh, they're fantastic. And uh, okay, so who is this guy? And why do I own like more of his art like Glenn, on my walls? Glenn Fabry did did a bunch of art. I guess he did the constant. Did you do the Constantine covers for he him? Did too? He did a bunch of Constantine. Yeah, so stuff. he did a bunch of the Constantine covers for him. So him, he's worked a lot with with Garth Ennis. His his. I'm gonna tell you, this is a really weird thing. And so I never read this before, but I've read Stephen King's The Dark Tower. And the illustrations in the Dark Tower stuff reminded me so much of the illustrations by Glenn uh, Glenn Fabry that I went to go see if they were the same guy. I was mm-hmm. like, is it the same guy? I had to go look it up. It's not. But the... So the character that I thought was the coolest is the Saint, Saint, of Saint of Killers. Is fantastic. But he reminds me so much of the gunslinger in Stephen King's The Dark Tower. Stephen King, last gunslinger. Yes! Um, it, Stephen King uh, gives Preacher, he goes, I, it's based a lot on Preacher. But, but, this book was the first, so his his art on it, uh, The Gunslinger 1978, copyright 1982. Wow. So, well, I, I think, I I, think I, this, this one, The yeah, Last Gunslinger. The Last Gunslinger is his comic book version of, um, so it follows mm. some of the story for yeah. uh the Dark Tower, the Gunslinger. Was the, oh, the Dark Tower that old? I read yeah. the Dark Tower super, about ten years ago, and I thought it was like in the nineties. They wow. brought a bunch. He's written, he's been writing it forever, so he just finished re- it two or three three years ago. He just finished this the whole mm. thing, so it's been written forever. And it was serialized first, so there was some stuff that was. Uh, I got to the third book, and then he's like in the real world. Yeah, and then and I that's, stopped reading I, it. I'm on book four. I didn't I didn't finish it after book four, so don't hate me for not reading any more than that. But it totally the Gunslinger in this book. Reminds me of the Santa Killers because the Santa Killers can shoot anything, man. He points at it, they die. He's like fantastic shot. And so there's a part in The Gunslinger by Stephen King, the very first book, where he's in a town and he's shooting everybody, and like it talks about how fast his fingers move and how he loads his gun so fast, and it's like singular movements. Mm-hmm. He picks out targets, and I and I was like, Garth Ennis must have read yeah. this, and oh, then later sure. to see Stephen King go. The gunslinger yeah. was a lot of influence. It's like art begets art oh, yeah, begets art. art. Yeah. So it was a really cool yeah, kind of the Saint of Killers is, is a great character. I love the um, Saint of Killers Jesse relationship. Yeah, because they're 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 kind of c- cut from the same cloth. Or I mean, you, they there's a there's even a, the, the first meme there seems to be kind of like a mutual respect. Yeah, yeah, like like a like, oh, right now. <laughs> Till next time, yeah, preacher. yeah, right. You know, um, so that's not the only cowboy that shows up in the book. And I haven't read beyond book one. And I'll be honest with you, I probably will not read all seventy-five yeah. issues. Of the I mean, it's a, it's a big commitment. So, why does um, why does the Duke follow? Why is why is John Wayne talk to Jesse Custer? Oh well, they they tell you at did you get to yeah, the grandma part? You get like little, that, like yeah. it's like a hallucination. He yeah. first comes to him as a hallucination, yeah. and he comes a, and plays back. So that's that's 
That's basically what it is. He's kind of like his subconscious. Like okay. he's, he's kind of like his dad. He's okay. kind of the Obi-Wan. That's what I know? thought, because it's, it talks about how his dad dies, and so... like and his dad has his own story arc yeah. in here, too. That's and him and his dad later. used to watch uh, John, John Wayne, Wayne movies, so he's got that connection to it. So there's this... As a man from Northern Ireland decides to write a book about a Texan, yeah. and it is like... A, it, this book... Is so American. There's yeah. so much stuff in here. Aside Even from the, references to like yeah, the cities and the, like places. The Irish vampire is like the only thing where you're like that sticks out. Like um, he had to throw it in, and it, and it works well because he's an Irish vampire who's who's been in America since 1918. Yeah, <laughs> and he grew up with the cent. Like he's as old as the century. Yeah, you know. Um, one of my like this is. I mean, his even his dialogue. Like he gets like the Texan. I mean, it's a little yeah. over exaggerated. Um, at times, but, um, it's, uh, there's, like, one of these lines, it's, um, I'm trying to find it here, it's, um, a great line, right, you can hear us, like, flipping through our, our <laughs> randomly We're trying through. to find yeah. it. Oh, um, he goes, if the devil, this is when he gets into, um, his grandma's, uh, okay. so he goes, if the devil created Texas, like some folks say he did, this is where he rested on the seventh day, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. But there's a lot of, like, just, like, like, heavy kind of, like, like, you couldn't come up with... No one would say off the top of their head. Like, these kind of John Wayne... And yeah. that's... So, when I read that, as a kid... That's that, credit, that was, that's credit to Garth Ennis, like, how much... Steeped in American yeah, culture yeah, it is. The, yeah, so it's really good. Anyways, when you were a kid... I'm sorry. When I was a kid, I mean, I was... I was really anti-cowboy being the punk rock, you know? Oh, like, yeah. I was, like, anti-cowboy... But I, I'm like, oh, so you like read this? And I wouldn't recommend it to my punk rock friends, you know, because like, it's from cowboys, like it's cowboy. But one of the things I found out was early I was at college. I go, I love the western genre, and this is mm-hmm. a western. Oh yeah. Like, even though it's steeped in angels and demons, it follows the western. Oh totally. Uh, plot line, and that's when I started listening to like Outlaw Country, you know, like Lily <laughs> Nelson and David Allen Coe, and you know, living here in Arizona, so you have this atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they go through the Southwest, like back and forth through yeah. the Southwest, and they travel all over the world as this story unfolds. But it's, um, yeah, it's so much Americana in here for an Irish, yeah. for an Irishman, and it's it's just and that one, you know, and I think you might be right. It was, and maybe it is, it definitely is. You know, it's part of it. The reason why I liked it is the fact that it's like. Ugh. There's a lot of sodomy in here for like a. <laughs> he has sex with a like chicken. A There's like a guy who has yeah, sex with a chicken. And, like, and I think that's the stuff, as I read it now, I'm like. Who's going chicken hunting? Like, who. Exactly. <laughs> who need, I, why is that in here? I, and. And so there's just some stuff where I thought he pushes buttons just he to push does, buttons and so there's a lot of button pushing. And and I'm gonna be honest with you, I've read I read through walk I've read The Walking Dead up to like issue one fifteen or something. So I've read a ton of it. I love the TV show, and people who like the comic book don't necessarily like the TV show, but I like both of them. I stopped reading Walking Dead because it got like the bad guy got too ridiculous. So mm. they meet this, so they go through the governor. The governor's a terrible guy, yeah. and then there's the next guy. And the next I guy stopped is... reading right after the prison when they get to like that little suburban neighborhood. Okay. And everything's yeah. looking okay. And so there's another one, they meet another bad guy, and this guy's worse. And I I don't have a I don't have a problem with swearing. I swear. There's this weird thing about me. I don't mind hearing the F word, but it's so weird to read it a bunch of times. I don't know what wow. it is. If it if it um, and there's a part of me that, like, as a as a guy who was in bands forever and like was I like wrote songs and all this stuff, I try to avoid yeah. swearing because it seems it seems lazy. Everything to me. becomes around everything it, that comes about it. Yeah, and and it seems sometimes 
dropping the F word just seems lazy to me. But at the same time, I understand it. People talk that way. Yeah, I mean, but it's, it's these people. Yeah, I, I think about think about this. You know, and I if I, I just saw like, someone's like, head like, get the, shot the sodomy off. Yeah. and like all that stuff and the cussing. But do you think about? I mean, Tarantino does that in Pulp Fiction. I, but that's know? what I'm telling you. Like watching it is different for me than reading. Yeah. reading it. And I mean, so that scene, that Gibbs scene in Pulp Fiction, could have easily been written. Oh yeah, by Garth Ennis. Yeah. Well, because there's a scene in here where they they the cop is. Uh, is all tied up in an S and M garb, right? The, the cop <laughs> so who's following strange. him, and it's so like you, this is the best toughest cop ever, <laughs> and, and he's homophobic he's and says like terrible ramrod, stuff. Yeah. yeah, and so it, that's a, that's a weird scene. Um, do you think? Do you think that um, is this offensive to gay people? No, no. I, well, it's definitely a product of '95. I don't think you would make that. I don't think that book. It's a product of when it was made, mm-hmm. so I don't think it's offensive. But I don't know. I'm not and gay. Getting, so and I don't... getting back to what you said about the um, the you know him writing this, one of the things I wanted to ask you, one of the questions was, um, do all the '90s references uh, do they take away this from being timeless? You think? No. Uh, is, this, is this going to read as well? If I give this to a 15 year old today, is it going to read? Because one of the reasons I remember reading it as 15, uh-huh. one of the reasons I liked it is they. They talk about Kirk Cobain in here. Yeah. And well, it, it becomes a bigger part of it, you know? That's my... I'm gonna, you, you asked me what my favorite panel was. Before we did this, you asked yeah. me to pick my favorite panel. My favorite panel is when Arseface... Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is... Wait, I'm going to pause you right there. Oh, good. Because it might be this okay. thing. Okay. My favorite scene is Arseface is this cop's son. I think my dog has to go outside. Can we pause it for one yeah. second? I let my dog out. So we're going to pause it for one second. Kills himself. That he shoots himself in the face, mm. but doesn't kill himself. Yeah. So his face looks like an arse. Yeah. His face looks like a butt. People like throw up around and, him. Yeah. Everyone, no one is afraid. No one is PC and like, like, oh, it's okay. Everyone's just like, oh God, you're like, <laughs> like, and everybody's terribly, they think he's horrible looking. And so my favorite part is the, in every scene with arse face is there's words, but it's just mumbling. And then so he captions what he's saying. I think that's beautiful. My favorite part, though, my favorite panel is, is on page 126. Yeah, it's so bad 126, writing. when Arseface, his father um, ends up as a saint of killers. No, his father. So Jesse Custer uses the voice and makes him... Yeah. Screw himself. Yeah. He says, now, he says, go fuck yourself. So yeah. he ends up, he does. He does. He uses he, the power he, of God <laughs> and tells a man to go fuck himself. And so like, he does. They, the only thing they stress is like, I don't know how far it got. He got, it got way up into his, like, colon. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, he, he asks his son, he's like getting in the, in the, um, paramedics, he's getting in the, in the, um, ambulance. And he asks his son, the cop asks his son, Arseface, to go get a gun. And so Arseface brings him the gun, the cop shoots himself, and then... Ars face is like hands up to heaven and he's saying I will have vengeance on Jesse Custer vengeance for the blood of my father and if I have a face like an arse so be it I will become arse face <laughs> and so it's, it's and he's a, down on his knees he's, he's like, like down wailing, on his knees you know, like. wailing uh, and it's, it's hilarious to me that one it's written that it's so matter of fact and it's he uses he uses the word vengeance and he says, and if I have a face like yeah. an arse, then I will be arse face. And the fact that it's, that he actually names him arse face. Yeah. Is, After, cause the cast, he, he's yeah. Irish and he goes, he goes, a face like an arse, you know, yeah. and, he, and yeah. it comes off. So he's arse face, you yeah. know? And so it's, 
That's my favorite panel because it's so ridiculous. It's the most ridiculous I panel. I don't think Dylan. Sh- uh, sh- I, I, I don't think um, Garth um, shies away from being silly. No, I don't I think, think he so at all. There's it. tons like, that of silly was, like, stuff in you, here because you see like these really great ri- written lines, and you see a line like this. Like, okay, that's undone, undone on purpose. Yeah, it's you know? totally done to be silly, and that's why I picked it. That was my mm-hmm. panel, which that's I thought was just a hilarious panel. So page one twenty six. If you've got one twenty six, it's a great one. It, it's one. that classic. Like his hair is blowing in the wind. Yeah. And it's and like. Just, on him. And you can just see his arse face. Clearly yeah. his mouth looks like a butt. And <laughs> it's all mumbled. Yeah. So your favorite panel. What's your My favorite, favorite panel? panel was, I know which one you probably thought it was, that big old panel of that demon and angel screwing. <laughs> well, it's tough to pick a, a great panel. This is a great reveal, too. That's a good one. That's, That's a good, a good one. reveal. Um, uh, it's tough to pick a panel in this because... There's not a lot of big panels on pages. No, there's not I, a I lot. I would say of... this, but this book, unlike Prophet, where if you didn't have any words, you could probably figure out the story, or as much as you need to. Yeah. In fact, some of the words in Prophet actually hinder your understanding of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the dialogue and the story are super important. Yeah, they're, they're they're the reason this exists, and and there's a lot of there's a lot of panels on every page, and there's no big like. Like, um, what do they call them? Splash pages. Yeah. There's a couple splash pages, and they're used for big reveals. Yes, exactly. So there's when some Cassidy really good... Yeah, when Cassidy becomes a vampire, when they find out that Cassidy's friend is the is the serial killer. Yep. And so that was a... I didn't... I'm going to tell you what, I didn't expect that. Mm-hmm. I'm reading it, and all of a sudden, they reveal that panel, and he sticks the knife through, uh, through Tulip's hand, and I'm like, what? Holy crap! <laughs> I didn't expect that. Um, so... My, gonna, my favorite My favorite panel is on page 319... Um, the art isn't... I, I like this whole page, but I really like this panel on here, because this is my... Unlike you, this is my favorite part of the story, is the... When he goes to his grandma. Yeah. Um, it's on, uh, 319. 319. It's, um, Jesse's in the, the foreground, and you just see half his face in shadow, and this is after he has... He believes the love of his life has just died, and okay. John Wayne has got has rallied him up to like stop being a pussy dude. This is like this is like you're a quitter, and he's like I'm a, I'm gonna tear some stuff up. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and he has like this whole Clint Eastwood, you know, and he just you know uses the word on all these like uh, his this character of Jody is I think a great character. I, I love the relationship. I do as I, much as really... Jody is he wants Jesse want, hates to admit it. Is Jody is kind of like his dad in yeah. this. It's his father figure. He taught him how to fight. Yeah. He made him as hard as he is. The reason Jesse can even is even equipped to go on this journey is because Jody would kick his ass every day of his childhood. Yeah. And and here you have like this surrogate father son showdown and even Jody in the end when he dies has this look like I'm proud of you. Yeah, like you, you as he chokes him out, yeah. you know, and he just hates it so much. That this guy, this is the guy who killed his father yeah. and his best friend. Yeah, and the, the one I cyclops. Yeah, the one I cyclops. The guy who like put him in a coffin underground. You know all this stuff. And you, yeah, and so here, like, it's just like I use close up a preacher. Half his face is covered in shadow. There's a lot of detail. You can see the stubble. He's got the the cigarette, cigarette hanging the, out. You know, his yeah. cigarette hanging out. Joey's in the back. It's just like that badass. Like there's a cross burning in the yeah. background. Like this is. Very little work would have to be done to translate this to a movie scene. I'm going to tell you what, and, and so if we could talk about that, I was talking about um, this was um, when they were talking about making this. 
it's gone through a bunch of iterations that it was going to be an HBO show, mm-hmm. right? And so the Which guy, been awesome. the guy who was going to do it for HBO wanted it to do it as a was going to do this every issue, like every six, issue yeah. as a sixty minute show, and it was going to be a shot for shot adaptation of it. Yeah. So like uh, like a three hundred type yeah, of work. Exactly. Watchmen does a lot of the stuff where you're like, that's almost the exact so same thing. Twenty five pages, twenty five yeah. minutes, and so um, I can see this. And I'm going to tell you what, if it's a TV show, I'm going to watch it. I'm totally going to watch oh, it. Oh, yeah. Um, personally, this second part was hard for me to get through. Just yeah. because I was like, okay, so there's like a one-eyed Cyclops. Yeah. Like, I got the part about this made Jesse who he is. Mm-hmm. I just thought that that at this point, my pushing the envelope meter had just gone like, are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm not going to tell you, it's not a bad book. I would never dissuade anybody from reading it. Because I think there's... You can totally see how much this has influenced a ton of stuff just by just by reading it. Like the neck, the generation, you and I, you who read this, mm-hmm. you know, and and like people who read this when it was out in 1995 to 2000, definitely you can see it, it's influenced those comic writers today. Yeah. So you can totally see that in here, and I and, and I'm not gonna lie, I can see that in here, and I appreciate this book for what it is. But the stuff I like the most. The covers are fantastic. Mm-hmm. I like the character of Jesse Custer. I think he's like he's he's a a complicated character, and I think you get a lot of why he's complicated mm-hmm. from this first book. Um, but the envelope pushing just got a little a little too much for yeah. me after a while. And it might be if I were reading it monthly, it might not have been. But reading it in one dose I'm just like Ar- oh, it's a God. lot yeah. yeah it's a lot yeah. of envelope push I mean even I would have like a year off between days yeah. you know um, so we have 20 minutes left here okay. I, I have some questions I want to ask okay. you and I want and I, and I, and I want to give my big push for okay. Preacher okay um, and of talk about like the rest of the series uh, and and what and what if you do drop off now which I totally understand Dave, because it, it if you don't if, if this isn't something that it entraps you then it's not going to ever but there, there are. But I think it, it realizes itself. But more curiously, I had a question for you: Is you are you you you're religious, right? Yeah, like you yeah. Pra- you, you're practicing. Yes, yeah, so I'm a Catholic. Pra- no, I'm not Catholic. Catholic. It's Christian. They're Christian. Do you yeah. still go to church like every yeah. Sunday and things like that? Yeah. Is is this what do you what do you think? <laughs> You want the like, religious aspect? Do you want of it. the is, is this offensive re- to me? As no, a, I know as it's not offensive person? to you. Uh, I know it's not offensive to you, or else I, would, I don't. If I thought you were going to be offended by it, I'd be like, I probably still would have made you read it. Yeah, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to tell you what. Uh, this is so quasi-religious that I wouldn't even like. I wouldn't go. I'm surprised that this if, if this offended, and I'm sure it did. I'm sure this offended people because I, I wasn't. I didn't see the hubbub about it in the '90s, um, but I'm sure it offended people. But I don't see how, because yeah. it's so, like, there's, like, angels and demons, and yeah. God takes a vacation, and mm. all this stuff, um, and he does a really, there's, like, a dance around religious What stuff. do you think, the, I mean, what do you think, it, with this whole aspect of him, I mean, it's kind of vague, mm-hmm. like, his mission to, like, hold God accountable, basically, you know, yeah. for leaving, it's, it's that really, like, that Western trope of, like, yeah. a man walks into town, and he's gonna, you know you know, hold people responsible for what they've done, yeah. you know, and he's going to do it with under his own, um, thing. what do you, this, I, God, uh, this idea of God abandoning his creation. I love that idea. I think, I think I, it's a great, I like, think it's a great idea. Like God so much, like he just dipped. Like, oh, yeah. like he's just, just like, 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 peace he quit. Like, like, what do you do? If God quit. And all the angels are like, 
Um, they're just they're just like having things. They're just trying to keep things yeah, together. They're like uh, if some people find out that God quit, we're in trouble. Oh right? yeah, we're this is this is gonna go bad. <laughs> um, you know what I thought? I think it's a really I think it's a really cool. It's a good storyline. I think it's a great idea, and it really to have Jesse. Um, you you kind of get his backstory why he's so religious because of all this. You kind of forced religion mm. on him, right? Like his grandmother essentially forced religion on him for some reason. He's destined to be a preacher. Mm. I don't know if that's explained later on, but all the men are. Yeah, well, it says in here. All, yeah, the, all men the men are, are yeah. but I don't know if why. So yeah, I don't know if exactly. there's a why later on or not. But but so all the men in that family are, are preachers, and so he really gets this forced into religion. And uh, and he's put in this terrible, terrible situation as a kid. And so he really, literally finds salvation in the Bible, right, mm. as a kid. And so although he's being forced into it, and like his grandmother's making him do it, he's, he's really mad about that aspect of it. He then finds solace in all of his suffering that his grandmother's putting him through mm. in the thing that she's forcing him to do. Exactly. And, and so... He's torn. And then he finds out, like, oh, it's real. Like, yeah, this is real. This is real. And then God totally bailed. And so I think the idea of him going on a journey to find God and hold and hold God accountable, it's a it's a great idea. I think it's, it's a, important to mention that God is a character in this. Like he shows up. Yeah, he does show up. He goes he shows up and talks to Tulip. Yeah. And so uh and brings Tulip back to life. Essentially yeah. like Lazarus yeah. and, and brings Tulip back to life. Yeah, but that's, but at that point, like I didn't because you don't really see God, you know, at that point. We know that he's because he the word doesn't work on the, his grandmother's, yeah. you know, they sort of like, oh, there's like a dealing maybe going on here. And then, you know, we see God like talking to the grandma. But yeah. like when Tool gets shot in the head, I'm like, oh, this, what? Yeah. Yeah. Like there's this big moment. I, was which totally... I, I thought it was a really emotional scene yeah. when he's just like, I'm sorry for doing this. And at the same time, it's, it's finally when she realizes like you had no choice. Like you did this to protect me. Yeah. I think, you know, we talked about the religious stuff, but one of the reasons I like this and this, and this goes on and this this goes on throughout the 60 pages, I think more than anything, the whole arc of Preacher is just a really great love story between Tulip and Jesse Custer. It's this, it's it's che- it's like that burning, so bright, like cheesy, like true romance. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, uh, the, if you see the movie True Rom- Romance, um, it's like those two characters. It's, yeah. it, it, in fact, it's, Really like those two characters. <laughs> I think of it now. So it's, like, it's really hot and heavy. They find each other. It's perfect. And then he bails, and she yeah. doesn't know why. And so she's all mad. Yeah. And finds him later. Got a real Sam and Diane yeah, thing going right? on for a while. And so you know she's really mad at him and all this stuff. But um, you know what? I, I would say that that's a really creative idea. I think it's a really good idea. Uh, someone's going after God, and not in a way like I'm going to kill God, but in a way like I want to know what. What's the deal, yeah, God? No one walks out on. Yeah, no one walks out on. Because he's got so much principle, and yeah. like the rest of people are like, and then he's got his, like, his, 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 it is very Wizard of Oz. Like, well, I'm going to tag along and hope to get some prizes. <laughs> yeah, you know? so everybody's with him on it. So, um, I love yeah. till, I, it's cheesy, but I like the till the end of the world thing. I like the, his little, like, pet saying the two love, yeah. where he's like, I'll love you till the end of the world. You know, that's what you're. That's gonna be in your vows. It's gonna be my tombstone. Oh, it's gonna be. That's gonna be it. It's gonna be in your vows. You sit in the back and be like, <laughs> you just referenced preacher. Oh I'm, I'm doing one of these like, uh, gra- like turns to you. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the wink. All right. So yeah, I, I, you know what? As a religious person, I'm not offended by it. I also think it's kind of a cool idea. I, and, and in fact, um, if if the premise of God ever did walk out. The idea that someone so 
like Jesse is he seems really unreligious when you first meet him because he's so he's lost his faith yeah but then when he finds out that God bails he becomes like super religious and yeah. like God you can't do this why yeah. would you do this to your creation and so he goes from a man who lost his faith who totally like wants his faith to who wants what he believes in to take ownership of what it's done. Does would that make you, sense? Would you say that, do you think that Garth is an atheist or a, uh, he's religious? I know the answer to this, by the way. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I would say that, um, based on what you've seen so far being, I'm going to tell you that he was, his upbringing was probably very religious. Mm. I'm guessing Northern Ireland, mm. his upbringing is probably really religious. I'm going to say that, um, Garth Ennis, I don't know. I don't know. I, he's a, a staunch atheist. Staunch atheist. Yeah. I am, I wouldn't be surprised if you would have said either way. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised had you said either way. Well, I think one of the things, as someone, you know, I don't know if, I've, if I'm atheist, but I've, I've never never been to church, I, I've, you know, but I'm fascinated with stories about like, angels and demons and this whole, you know, um, like stigmata culture, you know? <laughs> I love it. I love it all. I yeah. love the myth and lore of it. Yeah. And because I, you know, I, I don't I don't have to sit in front of it every Sunday, it's all like new to me and it's like exciting. It doesn't seem... Well, I'm going to tell you that it's... Antique. And I think that's where he's coming from, a place where he's like, because he is an atheist, these stories and these characters, there's an... He can play with them. Like He can yeah. play with some of these themes and position them in ways... Like, I, I think he's like, what would happen if God quit? And like, well, you know, and then like, just take it from there. You know, yeah. I think he, it's an interesting take on it. But, um, until I knew that, I wouldn't be able to, I just, I would, I don't know if I would be able to guess either. Yeah, and I would, I would say that there's some, well, the content of it kind of leans pretty graphic. And it's probably not like, if we were a super Christian, this probably isn't something yeah. you would write. But at the same time, um, there's some, there's some really, the focus is on some really religious stuff. And there's some actual, like, things that are fairly religious, but then there's some stuff that's so left field in here that that's, again, he plays with the idea of religion and he's, he's able to do that. And so I think that that makes it cool. And that's the part where I said, I don't think anybody who's actually religious would be offended by the religious aspects of this story Mm -hmm. because it's so like, he's playing around in a playground. Exactly. And and so I, 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 it's fascinating. And, and so I found that really kind of cool. Um, so what do you got? What else do you got for me? Um, I've got um, oh um, TV series haven't casted yet. It's Seth Seth uh, Rogen and his writing partner who they write everything. They're they're the ones producing. Yeah, the they're pilot co-producing it. And, yeah, and um, they're big fans. They have said that they're that they're not gonna they're not gonna do like a shot for shot yeah recreation of it because they go if you want that go to the read yeah the comic read the comic book. book. But they go but he says like it's gonna be like a. A faithful adaption of it, yeah. you know. It's gonna. It's preacher fans shouldn't. Everyone says no one's gonna say preacher fans are gonna be really upset by this. <laughs> um, but you know, so I, I feel like it's gonna be probably about as I'm thinking like on par with Walking Dead as far as how close yeah. that is to the actual text. Which if you've read, you know, there are major differences, but the tone is, is the yeah. same. And you're. Well, to, I think that you've got a really good story arc here, and so you can deviate from stuff. You can leave some things out. You can put some stuff in, and it'd probably be a really good TV show. So the you're question is, who do you cast? Casting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this nugget. I don't know if you know this. I was reading this because I did some digging yeah. while, while we were going to do this. Um, one of the guys, when they were going to make it into a movie, one of the guys that they had cast to be uh, a Cassidy is... Um, or Custer. I'm sorry. Uh... Jesse Custer was the guy who plays Cyclops. Mm-hmm. Was yep. going to be casted during the um, that was early like Kevin 2000. Smith, yeah, like when Kevin Smith yeah. has hands on it. 
Which is horrible. Horrible casting. Horrible. Horrible casting. He has no gravitas whatsoever in him. Like, yeah. He, he could play like the douchebag, like, boyfriend, ex-boyfriend of Tulip or something yeah. like that. Like, he's normally used to playing. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, you know what? Um, I would go if, if Keanu Reeves were younger... Or not? Mm. I would I would say a younger Keanu Reeves, maybe if he weren't so dude, bro. If he could, yeah, if he could throw, he'd pull off a little harder. I think he, I think he's got that kind of look. Yeah. Um, it's tough, man. Like yeah. I was trying to think about because I'm trying to think. It like, hinges on on the performance of Jesse. Yeah. If Jesse doesn't work, this is nothing works. And I think you can't pick, you can't pick anybody too big. You know? No, I get because they're going to pay him too much. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think like I think if you're going to do a movie. You could pick like a big name actor. I don't know. I don't know who would you want. But I'm I'm thinking as a, an actor from a standpoint. One, it's AMC, so they're they're starting yeah. to develop it now. And two, if you gave this comic book to like an actor and mm-hmm. said you could play this character, I mean that's a pretty juicy character. That's oh, a no, fun yeah. character. There's a ton to play. of there's so a I ton of like would, room would, to play with. Him. Would want to be like, oh, I want to sink my teeth into that character. Um, for Jesse, you know, I don't know. Um. um there's been a lot of talk. There's like this. I, have you seen that show Justified? Yeah. He was Timothy his, Oliphant. No, no, oh. the, the other guy. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, he would be yeah. marvelous. People have kind of like said that he might be kind of good a on too it too. Old, he might I, be too old as but well. But I think he'd be fantastic. Yeah, he because he's got that down in Django. I really saw it in Django Unchained. Uh, Actually, no, I haven't seen it. Oh, that was one. he's 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 like just like a henchman in there, yeah. and he he really goes like. Like southern in it. Yeah. Like, oh, know. he's fantastic. Yeah. Have you ever watched Justified? Uh, just like the first two, oh, first two episodes. Super good yeah. show. Super. Is he's it? he's fantastic. I hope it gets better than that. The first season was maybe it's, it was a little very like uh, soap opery. I don't know. I I feel, I feel like all like, every time I see a preview for Justified, I'm like that looks like something I would like. But then I remember watching. I go. You I only watch the first two episodes. I think I watched the first like two or three. Okay, yeah. you got to go far. Then every yeah. show you got to give it a couple more. Down. It was it's good. It's really I'm good time, my friend. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so that would be good. What about, what about for um, uh, Cassidy? Cassidy. Um, oh, man. That's it. There's a lot of, like, British... Um, you know what? The guy who plays Constantine would be a fantastic... I think he'd be, he a would fan- be good. He'd be no, a fantastic was, yeah, Cassidy. Yeah, he would be great. Yeah, that's good. I don't remember that's his name. One. Is, yeah, me either. The guy who plays, Constantine, yeah, yeah. The guy who plays Constantine in he the TV show would be really good. Um, but he's in he's in Constantine. Yeah. Like, how long is I was that thinking show? the same with how like, long is that show gonna last? Yeah, I like yeah. it. Have you why have you been watching it? Uh, I I stopped after the first four. No, oh. I stopped. Maybe it was like the first. Year. I stopped after like the death record when it was like uh, that's a cheesy one. It's very X Files, like yeah. a super X Files episode. Uh, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stream them all. When yeah, it comes out. I'm glad it's still going. Yeah, because I want to give it a shot, but unfortunately, I'm not supporting it in the moment. <laughs> um. Okay. Um. So uh, we got I don't know a couple a uh, couple more minutes here. Um, I was I was I will say this. Um, I I give this book to a lot of people. Uh, I have all nine issues in like a uh, it's one of those file cabinets, <laughs> and I just carry them from like friend to friend. Um, and right right now, I have a friend reading it. I have a, a, another friend, two friends who loved it. Another person who doesn't like they read like half of it. And I'm like ah, I don't really know if it's my thing. And um, I I I like this because if you read the whole story, what is done really well is it really gives I mean this is I mean there's a lot of movement just in this this first trade. Yeah. Once you once you get it all like you feel by the end of sixty or seventy issues, you feel like you've been with these characters for a long time. I'm because gonna say, they've they've gone everywhere. It's just 
epic, epic road, and they meet characters, and it's so long that characters come back, and you forget about them, and they co- and things connect. I think he does a good job of connecting the pieces. This first trade has more questions at the end of it than it does, you know, answers. Yeah. And um, a lot of holes, like Santa Killer's holes, Ars Face never comes back again in this first trade. There's all, the, you know, what's happening in heaven. All these yeah. things come back. There's a major element that isn't in here yet that's really fun to play with. Uh, it's it, but it's even more absurd. Like you're talking about bad uh, villains, um, uh, cheesy villains. There is some a character that a villain that comes in is terrifying, but then is made like goofy. Um, but I I wrote this down. I put Jesse Custer is my Atticus Finch. <laughs> I can see that, and I'm gonna tell you I, that I I got that. I can see how that would because he's what you want to be, man. Like he he's is. like he's a manly man, like. My my favorite parts of it are when he can use the word, but he's like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not going to use it. I'm just going to punch you. Like gonna... when, when Jody and him yeah. fight, and he goes, he goes, you know, I can tell you stick that gun up your ass, and he goes, but you won't, and he goes, nope. nope. <laughs> and <laughs> and it's like, oh man. And I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to tell you what. Um, is I didn't love it. I'm going to tell you I didn't love yeah. it. I didn't hate it, but love the I love the mm. trio. So yeah. Cassidy, Tulip, and and Jesse Custer. Great. Good chemistry. Every other character, I could care less about. That's where it starts. They bring in, like, things that you're like, why do we why do we need yeah. this character? Why is he doing this? Why can't it be, like, a more intimate story between these three? Um, I think that um, that this is... I, I love, Jesse, if, if you like Americana, I think, you'll, I think you'll like this. If you like Quentin Tarantino... Um, oh, for sure. Then I think you'll dig this. And I think... And, and I know you, you said you're not going to read anymore, but I think it's good that because this is this is kind of like a a cult classic in the comic book industry. It's now you it's like when you buy a car and then yeah. you see that car model everywhere. I think you're going to see this brought up more in conversations and and referenced by other like it's one of those things you're like oh this has been like when I I only read um, uh, Dark Knight um, and, uh, uh, Frank Miller's yeah. Um, Two years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'd heard about it for like 10 years. Well, I think I, I heard about it a year before that. I'm like, oh, is that like the seminal book? I'm like, well, I better read that. And then now it's like everything goes back to that book. Frank yeah. Miller's, you know, Batman. Um, and I think this is, if you are reading trades, if this is the, the, the form you read comics in, it's a nice, it's 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 one that you can find at any like Barnes & Noble almost. They almost yeah. all Barnes & Nobles have them. I think it's one, check out. It's for as much trade as there is. I got the hardcover, and it was um, I got it on Amazon for twenty nine. It says thirty nine here. What My soft cover, I probably paid sixteen for it. So yeah. it's twenty. It's nineteen ninety nine, but I think I paid sixteen for it on yeah, Amazon. It's a lot of story for sixteen pages. Oh yeah, and read it if you don't like it. With it, if 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 you want to, if you're getting through half of it, and you're like, I don't know if I can finish the rest of it, then don't because it's not going to change. The tone's not going to change. No. The characters develop into more who they are. It gets more. It gets. It goes from being serious to absurd, and silly, and it. The tone is set in this first volume. So if you don't like this, then don't read anymore. But if you if you like it, then you're in for like a, like a real treat because I think you're gonna fly through them. Because I'm like people binge read these. Hear, things hearing that like you it. hearing you talk about your love for this book makes me 
want to read this. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It makes me go, oh, maybe I should give the second volume. Uh, we got work to do. We got more uh, trades to right? read, my friend. Maybe I should read, maybe I should give the second volume a, a, another a, a look and, and see what it is for it. Because the main characters I like, and, and I think it's all the ancillary stuff that happens where I'm like, the buddy cop that's in this. There's like a whole buddy cop scene. I'm like, what? And that's, that's my least favorite part about this book is the detectives. Yeah, I'm going to say, that, why, is the, why are they even, I don't understand. Who cares about that guy? But, uh, get back to Jesse but being I, a badass. But yeah, but at the same time, this this I think this first book it's like small adventures that don't really seem to relate. But I think it gives you a chance to see how Jesse Tulip and Cassidy fit with yeah. each other, and it gives you a good shot at the world they're in. Yeah, I guess is the other thing. It, it's, it's it's all weirdos. Like he he's I always say like Garth Ennis is like Quentin Tarantino meets William Faulkner. It's just so Southern Gothic, man. And there's it's, some. It's so it's just it's just you. It's just I could smell like dust and like blood and like it's just yeah. Uh, and Steve Steve Dillon must just love drawing weirdos, man, because there's some the grandma looks weird. Oh, imagine like Steve Cyclops. Dillon like, what do you want me to draw this week? Well, okay, um, I need you to draw a Cyclops boy hiding from a guy who's screwing a chicken in a barn and, and he gets his throat and, slit and he accidentally pees he pees, he pees on, on him off. and that's how he finds him. He's in his one eye. <laughs> yeah, so I would I would recommend this to people who who. Like The Walking Dead. Mm. If you like The Walking Dead, you'll probably really dig this. Mm. Um, if you don't mind envelopes being pushed, read mm. this. And, and reading it now, I can see its influence in a ton of other stuff I read. Yeah. And so I'm glad I read it for that aspect. And if you liked the first... I think if you liked In Profit last week, if you read it, and you liked the first John Prophet story, that, that John Prophet, like the one who's just like... Mission, 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 mission. There's, I, there's some of that in, in Custer, I think. Yeah. I think the only reason I like that character so much is like, I got my code. I got to do it. I got my mission. Yeah. And I don't care about how many aliens I have to screw. <laughs> I'm going to get there. I don't care how many. And I, my suggestion is to, to if you're going to do it, if you haven't read it, obviously maybe you have read this. we got to figure out, like, we got to assume, at some point we got to start developing our shows around how we assume that people have read it, and we can just skip all the summary stuff. And, like, go out and read it, or do we go into, this might be something you might like. Yeah. We'll talk about that off. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, so, read it before this TV series comes out, so you can be in the know. Oh, totally, yeah. So you can be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I know read that. the comic book. I read the comic book. I know that. You can be that guy who's at the comic book store talking about, who's so upset yeah. that they did oh, Walking Dead Everyone's got preacher shirt. That's going to be me, dude. <laughs> the first yuppie that I see in a preacher t-shirt, I'm going to just be like, oh, man. He's <laughs> so upset. <laughs> So, comic exposure next Thanks. week. Let's tell them what they're doing next yeah, week. Yeah, so next one. next one coming up, we're, we have a guest. Our first guest is coming mm-hmm. on. Uh, our friend, a guy that uh, I still work with and a guy that, that uh, Travis used to work with is coming on. Anthony's coming on to talk to us about Lock and Key. No interest in comics. Yeah, he's kid. He hates superheroes. Yeah. yeah. Hates comic book movies. No interest in comic books. Yeah. But he likes literature, so we picked Lock and Key for him. Yeah. Something that you and I had never I read. I had never read. I got through a little of it so far. Um... It is written by Joe Hill, the Stephen King's son. Yeah. So if you like Stephen King, maybe check it out. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil of any of the style and stuff like that. But um I think be prepared for something completely different for week four. Yeah. Because, because we haven't talked about it yet, but yeah. we, we're gonna we we're kind of we got a little genre thing going on. We do, here. and so I would say that this is great because I profit in this didn't have a lot to to compare to, but I've read Except Lock and Key. Maybe like pushing boundaries. Yeah. I read Lock and Key, and I'm gonna tell you what. Are you, re- you finished reading it? Oh, I finished reading it. So they are, they are, there's going to be a lot of, we're going to be able to talk about how I think one does some things better than the other, mm-hmm. and so we'll talk about that. Um, and it, again, 
Preacher influences so much stuff, and I can. Do you see like it big now. eyes? Do you like throat slit? <laughs> <laughs> um, but. So, if you're interested, you want to be a part of the conversation with us, you can always uh, tweet us on the Twitter, so Mm -hmm. at Comic Exposure on Twitter. You can go to the website, ComicExposure.com. We've got a little section where you can... uh, Every page, uh, except for the homepage, has a comment section, which goes right to us. So, if it's questions on there, uh, we'll maybe get a little chat thing in there if 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 people want to talk. But right now, if if you have a suggestion for a trade that you want us to read... um, then let us know, you know, and then yeah. we'll, we'll check it out. So uh, next next time is Lock and Key. We're going to talk about that. Uh, and then right now, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, Preacher, pick it up if you want to read, you know, some... some if you want an awesome, you, amazing, mind-blowing story that's going to change your life and get you to be an English major, <laughs> then... Read Preacher Volume 1. If No talking, Josh. <laughs> All right. Now come across the table. Go ahead. Turn them out. Turn and them uh, out. We'll, we'll see you next trade. This is Comic Exposure. Boop.